0: day where there's a report from one part of the country that says Republicans can't stop winning. In fact, it's uh, just what President Trump said. They are so tired of winning. they winning and winning and winning and winning they're going to try something else now where is that we will uh, get to that it may not be exactly the place that president trump wants he is um busy with the eugene carroll trial the very end of it apparently it's going to go to the jury it's a nine-person jury probably on tuesday they are saying uh but uh, there are all kinds of of dramatic elements from uh, president Trump's uh, deposition that he did, where he was interviewed by the lawyer for Eugene Carroll, who has accused him of rape in Bergdorf Goodman's. We will get to that because it includes a Trumpian view of the history of mankind. I'm not kidding. And speaking of the history of mankind, there are reasons to celebrate today because of a jobs report in April that has just knocked everybody out. It is a, a, a far, far more positive job report than people expected. There is also a new public opinion uh, report about how Americans would feel if we do default. Now, if we default and we don't pay our debts and we qualify as a deadbeat nation, the question is, who do you blame? And uh, actually, this is probably good news because what it suggests, and it's appropriate, is that the American people would blame both sides. They would blame both the Republicans in Congress, in the House of Representatives, and they would blame President Biden. Uh, President Biden giving a triumphant speech today because of the big news on jobs, 253,000 new jobs in April, uh, the lowest the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. Now, that's kind of amazing. And I'll tell you what else is amazing the continued controversy about Justice Clarence Thomas. What is it exactly that people want Justice Thomas to do other than quit and to leave the court? But uh, there are now other justices who are uh, getting attention. And uh, we will try to put the entire controversy into some kind of realistic perspective. And speaking of realistic perspective, there is a – in both ends of the country, in New York City, there is continued controversy of the death of a homeless Michael Jackson impersonator who uh, was uh, apparently in a threatening mode when he was riding a subway car, and a number of uh, civilians, they were not police officers of any kind, not law enforcement, one of them was a former Marine, uh, basically put a hold on him and a choke hold on him, and he died. Uh, so why hasn't that uh, individual been uh, charged for murder That's a question they're asking in New York and a question they're asking out here in the state of Washington. In the city of Everett, they are not waiting for the state legislature to act. The state legislature is coming back into session. It was called back into session after they finished. Why? Because right now, the way it stands, there are no statewide laws making drug use of any kind methamphetamines anything anything in public go ahead help yourself go for it Uh, well the city of Everett has tried to uh, take a vote and they have on the city council making uh, public drug use illegal and this goes along with another effort to combat the swelling population of homeless street people uh, and basically outlawing sleeping or lying in public. And uh, lying not as in <laughs> not telling the truth, lying down there. And also, uh, more controversially, banning organizations from providing food and uh, water uh, for Uh, without getting a permit to do it, providing food and water for homeless people who are sitting and lying in the public. Uh, We will get to that controversy as well. And the idea of small-dollar donors and American politics, basically, for years, there have been people who have been praising the idea of small-dollar donors raising literally billions of dollars for campaigns Uh now there's an argument by a commentator in the Washington Post David Byler who will be joining us that small-dollar donors don't save democracy they make it worse and how does that happen uh, we will get to that also we'll have a review of what is sure to be one of the biggest movies of the year, it's certainly one of the longest movies of the year. It does go on and on and on, and it is a uh, the latest from the uh, Marvel comic universe, uh, the uh, new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, we will give a full, frank, and fearless review. One eight hundred nine five five seventeen seventy six is our phone number. Okay, first off, the uh, Americans are split on who they would blame if the U.S. defaults, a post-ABC poll finds. A uh, Washington Post-ABC News poll finds Americans divided on who they would blame if the nation's debt ceiling is not raised and the government goes into default, a potentially devastating outcome that could happen as soon as June 1st. By the way, there's a column today which is worth looking at, and it's a column by a a Nobel Prize-winning economist, Paul Krugman, teaches at Princeton. He is someone on the political left, but he points out that this, this default would impact everybody in the country. And probably everybody in the world and would have a very profound damaging impact on the world economy. It is insane that they are waiting until next week to have their meeting with President Biden, agreeing to meet finally, finally, finally with uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy and with Chuck Schumer and uh, with uh, Mitch McConnell and people on both sides. They have to do something about it. The poll finds 39% of Americans say they would blame Republicans in Congress if the government goes into default, while 36% they would blame say they'd blame President Biden and 16% volunteer they would blame both equally. And what's the only good news here is that yes they understand that, that you have to blame somebody. And this means that people like Joe Biden and like Kevin McCarthy who have to get this right should look at that and say listen if this gets screwed up you're not going to be able to blame it on the other side there has to be some responsibility here and the lack of responsibility is remarkable the opinions fall sharply along party lines republicans are just as likely to blame biden 78 percent as democrats are to blame congressional republicans 78 percent A 37 percent plurality of independents say they would blame Republicans, with the remainder of independents evenly divided between blaming Biden, 29 percent, and blaming both equally, 24 percent. The one thing that everybody seems to agree on is there would be plenty of blame to go around. Uh, Let us hope that doesn't happen. Uh, President Trump has recently declared once again that he could end uh, the war in Ukraine in uh, one day. One day. And uh, meanwhile, there's a uh, more realistic take on the war and what happens next from the EU ambassador to the U.S. We'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. Your daily dose of debate. Give me more. The Michael
1: Medved Show. Join in your daily dose of debate. I
0: listen to you occasionally when I'm driving, turns my stomach every time I do.
1: The Michael Medved Show.
0: And room for optimism today on this particular Friday. I mean, the Mariners swept. I I know they're uh, playing Oakland. They were playing Oakland. They have Houston to play now. But, uh... The uh, they won uh, the entire series, which is wonderful. Then I don't, never mind that Oakland has the worst record in baseball and they're leaving Oakland and moving to Las Vegas. Apparently, we'll leave that alone. There's also the good economic news today, and that certainly is something that's encouraging. And a uh, very, very good news from President Trump, he says, um, To Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage um, is uh, one of the architects of Brexit and he's somebody who had a a third party uh, that used to have some impact, the United Kingdom party, UKIP, uh, the United Kingdom Independent Party. But in any event, Nigel Farage, who is um, very much a Brexit advocate, was told by President Trump that uh, there is good news ahead for Ukraine. Uh, this is what the former president had to say.
1: They're saying there's been an attempted drone strike by the Ukrainians on the Kremlin. We don't yet know the full truth. Have you seen that story? I have not seen it yet. Okay, right, well, you know, that, that's, that's a big story. That's, yeah, I mean, they're quite small drones, but let's uh, see what big story. the truth of it is. Yeah. There's a growing, I sense in America, unhappiness about the money that's been given to ukraine yeah why does nobody talk about peace and peace negotiations
0: so if i were president and i say this i will end that war in one day it'll take 24 hours i know Zelensky well i know putin well i would get that ended in a period you can, of 20, you can break that deal hundred percent it would be easy that deal would be easy a lot of it has to do with the money a lot of it has to do with the military you know that yeah. we're giving but I would get that deal done within 24 hours. That war has to be stopped. That war is a disaster. And I'm, I'm talking more than money. I'm talking about the human life. Okay, um, President uh, Trump, maybe he could win that Nobel Peace Prize that I know that he covets if he has this secret plan. And rather than waiting uh, for a year and a half, uh, and, yes, it's uh, a little bit more than a year and a half. It's almost two years before he would become president again. Rather than waiting, maybe if he could disclose his plan. The EU ambassador to the United States, the ambassador of the European Union, uh, the, Nigel Farage has no, <laughs> no use for him at all, is named Stavros Lambrinidis. He's a, a Greek, and he joined Morning Joe, to talk about what seems to me a far more credible plan and vision for actually not just ending the war, but winning the war. There's no substitute for victory. Uh, here is uh, Ambassador
1: Lambrinidis. We all want peace here. Immediately can happen if Putin, who is the aggressor, takes his troops out. He doesn't want to do it. If he doesn't want to do it, I cannot imagine that the Ukrainians fighting for the freedom and their life will be lifting up their arms and saying, oh boy, you know, we're getting tired now. Yeah. Take us over. And I cannot imagine that Americans and Europeans will be happy to allow happy that scenario to happen. Because if we do, Putin wins. Putin proves that we don't have the guts, we don't have the staying power, uh, that, uh, you know, all his rhetoric about the West, right? We are uh, corrupt. We are weak. And. If he wins, our capacity to project our power and our influence in the world, Americans and Europeans, for decades to come will be diminished dramatically. So he won't win, he can't win. And the reason is not just us helping Ukraine. is because Ukrainians are fighting for their lives and they're fighting effectively. And that is something to be proud of.
0: Okay, and I'm proud of that that clarity being used as a spokesperson for the EU. Uh, and, And Greece, one of the less... Uh, profitable one of the less wealthy countries in the eu but doing more than its share poland i mentioned yesterday has been phenomenal and uh, doing more and more to provide uh, weapons and ammunition particularly that uh, their ukrainian neighbors need and meanwhile we also have good news in the united states economically uh it is uh, covered by on Fox uh, by Taylor Riggs about the uh, Bureau of Labor figures uh, on uh, the the uh, latest uh, job growth in the United States. Uh, listen, this is clip 10.
2: The good news is the economy is still humming along. So we heard from the Federal Reserve this week reiterating that they raised interest rates to try to slow down the economy because the economy is still creating 253,000 jobs. So the good news is if you want a job, most likely it's out there. You have to just get out there and get one. I think an interesting point in this as well is the manufacturing sector is something we've been really worried about. We've been talking about this manufacturing recession for about six months. The manufacturing sector gained jobs this month. So that's a good thing that we're still manufacturing and producing goods in this country. Average hourly earnings, all of that means is wage gains. What we're making on an hourly and a monthly basis, that's increasing, which is good. We're getting raises. The problem is that means that inflation is really sticky. Mm -hmm. The Federal Reserve might still have to move to sort of uh, bring inflation down because inflation has been such a problem in this country.
0: Okay, the wage gains uh, on the annual basis, 4.3%. Those are pretty good wage gains. Uh, economists, they say, uh, at uh, CNN, they say economists are expecting job growth to decline for the third consecutive month, the job growth, uh, 180,000 jobs to be added, and for the unemployed rate to increase to 3.6%. Uh, only uh, three economists of the 87 polled by Refinity had projected growth near or above the 253,000. In other words, 253,000 new jobs uh, for the United States of America instead of 180,000, and the unemployment rate uh, falling to 3.4% from 3.5%. The labor force participation held study and high uh, labor force participation at sixty two point six percent uh... this is uh... In, i mean undeniably and uh, uh... it seems to me appropriately good news uh... more from uh... president trump he uh... sent out a uh... on truth social his website Uh, And so it's not quite a tweet of the day, because it's not a tweet, but he had a brief message, supportive message, of course, for President Biden. He uh, says, President Trump, crooked Joe Biden will not attend the King Charles coronation. The United Kingdom is not happy. Biden wants to sleep. Uh, Actually, no American presidents have attended British coronations, partially because the history of this country was independence from the British crown Uh, coming up independence from uh, campaign big donors through small donors a good thing we'll get to it coming right up on the method show Michael Medved show one of the issues that uh, used to concern uh, many people in America people on both sides and in fact it was the subject of bipartisan legislation once upon a time the McCain Feingold bill you may remember is uh, the idea of campaign finance and uh, what you do about it right now uh, there is a, a tremendous amount of money that uh... flows into campaign coffers on both sides and uh... there's a provocative piece in the washington post that got my attention about the small dollar donors because you've all heard that the, the problem with campaign finance right is that there are a few big plutocrats billionaires and millionaires the kind of people that bernie sanders doesn't like they get all the money and uh, they give all the money and control campaigns. Uh, supposedly, the answer to that was small donations, a lot of them solicited on the internet. Not so fast as David Byler, who is a data columnist focusing on elections, polling, demographics, and statistics for the Washington Post. And he has a piece about the problem with small dollar donors. Uh, The problem with small-dollar donors appears to be that on uh, both sides, they seem to be particularly attracted to the noisiest and uh, most extreme, not necessarily the most effective uh, politicians. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, You see this when you look at the actual donations. That small dollar donors make. You know, you put aside sort of the the imagined small dollar donors, the folklore around them, and you see that on the right, a lot of times what happens is if someone pulls some kind of wild stunt or embraces a conspiracy theory or sort of gets their name first on cable news, that's the person who gets the small dollars. So um, you know, when Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to impeach Joe Biden on his first day in office, which was, you know, kind of a pointless thing to do. She made a ton of headlines and she got a bunch of small dollars when, you know, um, Mad Gates and that whole uh, crew of 20 House representatives uh, sort of stopped up Kevin McCarthy's uh, uh, bid for the speakership for a few days. Money flowed into those people. Um, so it's not when people are necessarily at their uh, sort of, most productive is when they get the money. And then on the left, small-dollar donors can't resist sort of using their money to stick it to Republicans that they don't like at all. Um, so the best example of this is Amy McGrath, uh, who ran against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. She she had no chance of winning. Uh, she lost by 20 points in the end, but she got tens and tens of millions of dollars because a bunch of small dollar donors wanted to believe and McGrath said, okay, you can hand me the money. And you know, all of it went up in smoke. So yeah, I would say that small dollar donors have not quite uh, lived up to the hype that they might've had you know, sort of 15 years ago.
0: Well, uh, David, this brings me to something that has been, um, the New York times has been all over this recently and I know you're with the Washington post, but okay. Um, the uh, save america which was instituted by president trump after the election to undo the election apparently they got mostly from small dollar donors it's basically my pillows mike lindell and then a bunch of small contributors uh but save america 250 million dollars donated to overturn the election of 2020 it could, is that right
1: I don't have the figures on me in particular, but that, that general storyline tracks with what we know about how small-dollar donors operate. If you look at survey data of uh, small-dollar donors, you find that they have very extreme views. Uh, these, you know, people who are willing to give $20, 50, 5, $10 dollars out of their paycheck aren't sort of, you know, moderate, reform-minded, whatever, whatever type of voters. Uh, They're people who are on the fringes. They're people who spend all day watching cable TV and, you know, are subscribed to 100 different mailing lists from 100 different politicians, um, all hitting them up for money. And they kind of, you know, get a charge out of giving to someone when they do something extreme and headline-grabbing. So uh, Trump actually has a strong record over his... Uh, sort of whole political career of fundraising from small dollars for this very reason. He knows how to command a cable news cycle and then the money rolls in.
0: Uh, is there, is there something that needs to be done to uh, improve or fix this system?
1: Um, it's, it's a little bit of a, a hard uh, in my view. So most people who kind of see, This problem the way that I do Uh, what they advocate for is sort of strengthening the political parties. A lot of them say, "Okay, well, what we need to do is just make sure that the money is flowing to responsible actors. And uh, we need to make sure that, you know, the pipelines are open for, you know, all of the money to basically go to the DNC and the RNC so that you can have, you know, Kevin McCarthy and Kakeem Jeffries basically be, uh, the, the same people in the room, the moderating influences. And that's, that's what a lot of people say. Um, but how do you do
0: that? I mean, I we, 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 people yeah, are free I mean, to give what they, what they believe in and they give plenty yeah. of money to QAnon, Right.
1: Right. I mean, that's, so that's the, the idea would be is that some of these larger donations that are, <laughs> that are banned right now. I would say some advocates, I don't necessarily put myself in this camp, but some people would say, okay, what you need to do is if there are these small dollars rolling in, you need to let the large dollars roll in and have it all kind of funneled as much as possible towards the centralized institution of the party. And, you know, let the, let the politicians kind of with who who do this for a living, sort it out. I'm not completely Sold on that personally. I honestly, I didn't include a solution in the piece because I'm not really sold on any of the approaches. (laughs) I didn't want to get behind one when I wasn't wasn't sure myself. Um, But if if you're asking what's the solution, one solution people have is to uh, try to funnel as much money as possible towards sort of centralized parties, make it as transparent as possible, and uh, try to give people whose incentive is to win rather than whose incentive is to show as much control and funding as possible. You you can agree with that or disagree with that. Like I said, I haven't kind of come down on one side or the other, but I I am persuaded that there's a small dollar problem.
0: Yeah, one of the things that people have talked about is uh, the idea of um, uh, mail fraud and – uh, going after people if they are trying to, well, for instance, they went after the people with We Build the Wall, Steve Bannon and company. Uh, it, just in uh, last moments, is there any hope to doing that with some of the more delusional fundraising stunts?
1: Yeah, I've uh, talked to people who have uh, proposals that basically – uh, would strengthen the FEC or would you know overhaul the FEC entirely maybe even replace it with another uh, organization that's more equipped to deal with you know any kind of um, campaign fi- uh, campaign finance violation and infraction and uh, that you know that that seems like a defensible idea from my perspective I don't I don't see why you wouldn't want better enforcement of your existing laws in an area like this um the, 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 the let, me, let me Go just ahead. say
0: that uh, steve uh david byler's piece on small dollar donors and the problems with those donations is posted up at our website at michaelmedved.com appreciate uh the conversation david and have
2: Show. I hate what you've done to us! I hate what you're doing to us! I hate you! Michael
1: Medved.
0: That was a, um, actually a citizen, an activist, it's real, uh, from the, uh, from San Francisco, where else, who spoke to the board of supervisors in that way. Uh, she was uh, protesting a, um, a, a a death uh, uh, that had occurred in San Francisco involving a homeless, uh, transgendered uh, citizen who had gotten into a fight uh, when trying to steal some stuff from Walmart. Uh, But in any event, there are all kinds of uh, other issues facing the country, one of them that has concerned the left greatly. And I had the opportunity this morning uh, here uh, at the radio studio uh, working uh, with uh, some colleagues of mine. Uh, they were very, very upset about Clarence Thomas and they are not the only ones you may have noticed. I haven't spoken much about justice Thomas. I admire him greatly. I have been a supporter of, uh, justice Thomas since he first came on the national scene. I thought the attempt to basically smear him and keep him off the court was shameful and scandalous and manipulative and dishonest. and. Uh, and and this new attempt uh, to go after him, uh, well, it's exemplified by Ari Melber of MSNBC. He had uh, words for Justice Thomas. This is clip one. I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. But there's something normal to me about it. I've come from regular stock and I prefer that, I prefer being around them. Tonight, I'll speak directly to Justice Thomas. No, you don't. Why were you lying about it? Were you feeling guilty? Were you also lying to your colleagues on the Supreme Court? Do you think you're above the law? Do you think you will get away with this forever? Have you ever looked at the history where if you cross enough lines, even as a Supreme Court justice, you can end up, depending on the history, impeached, or on trial? Those are our questions. There is growing pressure here among people in the legal community, members of the bar who are not afraid of alienating the court. Anyone who ever has to argue for the court cannot ask the questions I just asked because, well, they need Thomas's vote. But a lot of those individuals who are serious about a nonpartisan court, as well as members of Congress, are asking the Chief Justice, will you really
2: let this stand?
0: Okay, what is it that is standing that is so horrific? Uh, the uh, They have in the Washington Post, there's a piece by Jesus Rodriguez. He says uh, the famous, famously taciturn justice, that would be Clarence Thomas, is once again facing allegations that call into question the propriety of his conduct while holding a high government post. ProPublica has reported that Thomas received... For over twenty years, luxurious gifts and hospitality from real estate magnate Harlan Crow, a conservative billionaire and GOP donor, uh, he and his wife went on vacation with Harlan Crow and his wife. Uh, Har- and Harlan Crow, being a very very wealthy person, Clarence Thomas is not, uh, paid the bills. This is a violation of nothing. This is the, I, I this is the. The biggest much ado about nothing uh, that I can remember. And to put this in perspective, uh, this week there was a sort of a revenge strike against another justice. This one, someone, part of that liberal block of three justices, uh, Sonia Sotomayor and uh, the Daily Wire says that Sonia Sotomayor did not recuse herself from multiple copyright infringement cases before the court involving Penguin Random House, which, by the way, full disclosure, it's my publisher, too, uh, one in 2013, one in 2019, 2020, despite receiving several million dollars from a publisher and its subsidiaries for her books. Um, okay. Again, you're allowed to write a book and to get paid for it. I wish I got paid several million dollars, but maybe. Uh, Then there's also Justice Neil Gorsuch, who joined the court in 2017, also didn't recuse himself from the latter case, despite receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars in book deals from the same publisher. Then Justice Stephen Breyer did recuse himself from two cases involving Penguin Random House. He would written books for the publisher, and he and his wife owned stock in a company that owned a stake in Penguin Random House. Uh, The the idea that these represent uh, the the kinds of crossing over the line, as Ari Melber puts it, that would uh, lead to impeachment— or some strike against Clarence Thomas uh, none of this is happening none of this is real and what all of this is is just a, another attempt and this one by the left to criminalize uh, basically our disagreements and the the idea that Clarence Thomas went on expensive vacations, or that the his great uh, nephew, he is the great uncle of uh, a young man who he has helped and he has raised as sort of a uh, a substitute son, and the young man was going to a Randolph Macon prep school, it was a very expensive prep school where the tuition was seven thousand a month, and. Uh, Part of that was paid by Harlan Crow. Nothing illegal, nothing improper. And the proof of that is that Dick Durbin, who's chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, basically uh, announced, uh, made an announcement. He said, I invited the Chief Justice John Roberts to join this conversation. He said when Tuesday's hearing began, but the Chief Justice had declined as many had expected, citing separation of powers concerns. Durbin didn't exactly buy that. The reality is that sitting justices have testified in 92 congressional hearings since 1960, he said, and I even offered the Chief Justice the opportunity to designate somebody else on the court to testify. The reason the Chief does not want to testify is part of the separation of powers means that the Supreme Court doesn't get to run the Congress or the executive branch. The executive branch doesn't get to run the Supreme Court or the Congress. And uh, the the whole idea is that these are separate power centers. And the notion that they are going to uh, try to use Congress and the investigation power of Congress to try to pursue or restructure even the supreme court based upon the fact that uh... clarence thomas has had a twenty-year friendship with this guy harlan crow who sounds like an interesting guy okay what's the terrible thing that everybody heard about harlan crow right that everybody publicizes he's a book collector he has uh... a lot of paintings of, of famous uh, by famous people He has paintings in his uh, headquarters, his office, of paintings that were done by Winston Churchill, paintings that were done by Dwight Eisenhower, and yes, there's a painting by Hitler. He is not a Nazi. He also has a collection of famous books, including a Mein Kampf with Hitler's signature. So is this the grounds that you're going to go after Clarence Thomas at this point i it 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 seems to me that getting people upset over this and when you ask what is it that Clarence Thomas has done wrong if there was any indication that he had been influenced in his opinions or in his work on the court in any way to benefit uh... harlan crow his big benefactor that would be a serious matter but there is no such evidence and you know with the thoroughness that they're going over it if they had even a scrap that would be up there and grabbing people's attention uh... there is so much more going on locally. uh, the state of washington try to do something about drugs in public and people sleeping on the streets and in parks. We will get to that and more in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.